From Share Profits, brought to you from Wales by 30 Yards, this is the Share Profits Radio Show, episode 23, for the 27th of January, 2020. And here's your host, Tom Winifred. Hi, this is indeed Tom Winifrith with the 23rd edition of Share Profits Radio, brought to you indeed from Wales by just 30 yards, Boradar. Uh, it was one of my uh, birthday presents from my wife, Teach Your Cat Welsh, a very useful little book. Uh, my cat doesn't speak any Welsh. I can now do een, die, tree, pedwar, pimp. One, two, three, four, five. Not a lot else in the Welsh language, but maybe I'll pick up on it. And in a couple of years' time, I'll be doing the entire podcast in Welsh. Maybe not. I was sent this week a link to an old bulletin board thread uh, on a company, uh, part of the thread on uh, Frontera Resources. Frontera Resources was a cash-guzzling fraud. I think we can use that word pretty safely, uh, in that it didn't tell its investors about the parlous state of its finances. It didn't tell its investors, as it continued to raise fresh money, uh, that it was in danger and indeed subsequently lost uh, all of its operating assets. And it wasn't entirely truthful about the performance of those operating assets. It was, therefore, uh, it is fair to say, a complete fraud. It was a battle royal. Uh, I repeatedly called this company out as a fraud, giving chapter and verse. I don't just use the word fraud willy-nilly. Uh, I'm aware that if you accuse a company of being a fraud uh, and uh, uh, you cannot verify that claim, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not, unless you can establish that claim is true, uh, then you are potentially on the hook for a ruinous court case and ruinous libel damages. So it is relatively rarely that I accuse a company of being a fraud. When I do so, I feel that I do so only because I know I am on absolutely uh, slam-dunk certain ground. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Frontera put up a good fight. Uh, It did what all frauds do. It used other people's money to promote the shares. Uh, So it hired, for instance, uh, Malcolm Graham Wood, uh, the whore blogger, Uh, to put out article after article, assuring investors that things could only get better and that the share price would go up and up. Mr. Gromwood was not, uh, didn't declare that he was receiving payment for writing uh, such obvious nonsense, but he did so anyway. And the company hired numerous brokers and PR people uh, to organise events where the CEO would promise investors that they would be driving Rolls Royces by Christmas, etc., etc., etc. It didn't work. In the end, uh, frauds always run out of other people's money, uh, and that was the ultimate fate of Frontera Resources. Why do I mention it? Uh, and I mentioned this thread, which uh, uh, was on a bulletin board somewhere. Uh, it was because some of the shareholders took it in their mind to attack me. And I was reading it uh, 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 because a friend sent me over the thread uh, with the usual uh, mix of untruths and half-truths. It led off with the allegation that I was married to a woman who, as it happened, was my stepmother. Uh, I, I was never married to my stepmother, for the avoidance of doubt. And as it happened at the time, 
she was uh, uh, just, uh, she had actually died. Uh, another reason why I wasn't married to her. I wonder what the people who made those posts think about them with hindsight. At the time, they were attacking me because uh, they felt that the way to save their investments uh, was to attack those who were suggesting that they were invested in a fraud and were going to lose all their money. Uh, the real way that they could have saved their uh, what was little was left of their investments was, of course, to listen to, uh, to accept that we were telling the truth and to sell their shares. But this pattern repeats itself time and time again. I rather lost track of how many frauds I have exposed uh, during my time as a journalist. I'll be coming up in uh, September for 30 years writing about shares. Or is it 31 years? I think it might be 31. No, it's 30 years writing about shares. The first fraud I exposed uh, was back in... Uh, yeah, was uh, was back in 1992. It was an awfully long time ago. So I've lost track of the number of times I've exposed a fraud. Uh, I remember my early shock uh, when one particular fraud I exposed put out an RNS saying that it was suing me, uh, the editor of the Evening Standard, who'd been uh, wise enough to publish my exposés, and the Evening Standard for libel. Suffice to say, that company went bust, uh, uh, having lost investors all of their money. But I wonder what the bulletin board morons who attack me uh, over these companies think about things with hindsight. Do they repent? Do they say, gosh, I wish I hadn't written that nasty comment. I wish I hadn't threatened his wife uh, uh, with problems with her employer. I wish I hadn't sent that death threat. I wish I hadn't trolled him in that way. Maybe I'll listen to him next time. Have they lost so much money on one particular share? Because one of the tragedies of bulletin board morons is they tend to fall in love with one share and bet the ranch on it. Do they then walk away and say, oh, the whole system's rigged. Of course, I made a wise investment decision, but it's rigged against me and I'm never going to invest in shares again. I suspect some do that. I suspect very few turn around and say, well, maybe I should have listened to the bears. After all, if people like Tom and Lucien Myers and Wazim Shakur have been at this for 30 years, the odds are they get it right more often than they get it wrong. Maybe in future I should listen to them and then I will do better with my shares. I suspect a few of people do that. Most of them, however, I suspect go on and repeat the same mistakes. They've lost nearly all their money in one particular share. Uh, so what do they do? They punt what they've got left and then punt any fresh savings they've got on a new uh, company promising jam tomorrow. Uh, and again, they attack those who seek to undermine a great British company and end up losing all their money again before they start again. I don't know. It'd be an interesting study. Uh, what do those uh, who have behaved in this way in the past uh, and lost all their money as a result. How do they behave going forward? I wish there'd be some academic who'd cover, carry out that study. I'd be fascinated to read the results. Uh, this podcast is brought to you for free. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I've got a great guest on the show this week. Uh, but it's only possible that I can bring it you free because it's sponsored by Open Orphan PLC. Uh, it is a company which I own shares in. Uh, and therefore, I'm very happy to take the sponsorship. Uh, the stock is trading at around about 6.5p. It was my one of my tips of the year. 
at, I think, 4.9p to buy. Was it 4.6p? I still can't quite remember. Uh, uh, Just about uh, three or four weeks ago, so it's done jolly well since then. Uh, I believe that it will do even better going forward, and I'm confident that I will be able to sell my shares, and so will you, at more than 10p within two or three months. Uh, If you want to find out more about Open Orphan PLC, uh, there are a couple of articles on share profits explaining why it was my tip of the year uh, and a follow-up article uh, explaining why I believe the company will be making material profits this year uh, and very material profits next year. And as a result, it's on a relatively low forward PE and a very low price-to-sales multiple. Uh, so uh, it explains the fundamentals. You can either read those articles uh, or you can follow the company at Open Orphan. And I hope to have the CEO of the company, Cathal Friel, the chairman of the company, I apologise, Cathal Friel, uh, on the show in the next couple of weeks. So thank you to Open Orphan for sponsoring this show. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, what uh, follows next. Let's have a quick break. My guest today is Lucien Myers, the bard of the bowling. Uh, we won't talk about football. Uh, oh. One of Britain's best-known uh, short sellers. Uh, and, of course, a headline speaker at the UK Investor Show on April 25th. I shall be planting my strawberries that day, but Lucien will be on stage. Uh, Lucien, will you be uh, talking to Nigel Ray about uh, rugby and Saracens, where one of the key four principles is honesty? <laughs> well, I, I'm not, I don't really follow rugby, to be quite honest. And I know that he's um, there's a bit of controversy with uh, Saracens, but it's not really something I really know much about. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems that he's been a little bit naughty on the whole thing. But um, it, again, it, I, it doesn't, my, my opinion is not really worth anything. Since my son gave up playing rugby, I've really got very little interest in it. I, didn't, I, I think it's... Um, I, I just, I, I don't think it's, it's, um, people reckoned, you know, oh, it's going to catch on and be the new football and all the rest of it. But I think its popularity is probably plateaued. And if you want to own the richest and most successful rugby club in the world, as Nigel does, good luck to him. Um, he's going to have to start from the bottom again by the looks of things. But um, I don't know. I can't really comment on it. A very diplomatic answer. Right, Lucian. Um, now, away from that, uh, I, you have, on previous uh, 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 editions of Share Profits Radio, explained why uh, the thing that was going to make you as rich as Nigel Ray was shorting Tesla. How's that going? Well, it's been a good lesson to me, this Tesla business. I mean, I've never seen any stock quite like Tesla. And uh, it... Uh, it's a very good uh, learning curve that, you know, one has, A, has got to have stop losses, which I have because I couldn't have afforded to have seen them up at anything like this level. I mean, I closed mine out at, I forget now, I've still lost quite a bit on it, 300 and something. Um, it's just the sign of the times we live in. And I, I think we're sort of, um, when we look back in 10 years' time or whenever it is, um, probably rather less than that. Um, Tesla will be a massive, you know, poster child of the of the excesses of the current bull market, um, more so I think than Enron or anything else you care to choose of the last uh, uh, of the last run up. I mean, uh, Enron was a fraud. Let's be clear about Tesla. 
the guy who runs it, Mr. Musk, has committed securities fraud, saying that there was a fully funded bid when there wasn't. Uh, the company's cooked its books left, right and centre, mm. um, and it's still not generating cash. But what, what, what am I missing? Because the valuation is now over $100 billion. Well, I don't think you're missing anything. You're missing uh, a relatively small float, um, which is quite easy to control, and you're missing a millennial um, psyche that, uh, in which logic is just not part of, or, or, or logic or um, you know, financial sense is not part of the deal. Um, if you look at the people, so it's all the fault of young people. Well, they're not all young. If you look at if you look at the the skeptics on uh, Tesla, you've got people like Jim Chaynos, David Einhorn, all all the sort of people who haven't done that well in the last ten years because they employ normal investment fundamentals. And then on the other side, you've got this guy Bailey Gifford Anderson. You've got somebody called Kathy Wood who is whose target, I think, has now been raised from $4,000 a share till $6,000 a share. And then you've got a guy, you know, you've got idiots like Ross Gerber, who just uh, post the children of the times we live in. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm abs as astounded as anyone that Tesla's got to, the, to what, um, BMW and... Uh, uh, you know, Ford and uh, uh, and General Motors combined, and nearly up to Volkswagen's uh, market cap. I think it actually uh, exceeded it. Although probably today, I see it's it's looking like it will come off a bit. But no, it it just makes no sense at all. And I think all one has to do is uh, uh, remind oneself that one can never predict anything with any surety, and and have a a stop loss on these things. I mean, a lot of the guys who are short will have been protected by out-of-the-money calls to a certain degree. So I'm not sure that the sort of blood on the on the street with the professionals in Tesla is quite what what it's cracked up to be. But I still think it's the most in, uh, unbelievable sort of story of our times, and um, I still think it'll end in tears. We've got the. Uh, is it not possible, Lucy? I mean, that you're missing something here. That. Uh, you and, and Einhorn and all the, your other old farts are failing <laughs> to recognise that times have changed since 2008. We live in a new paradigm. Uh, I'm not, not being totally serious here. But times have changed. Fundamentals don't really matter anymore because we're going to have near zero interest rates uh, ad infinitum. Um, and uh, there will be more quantitative easing at some stage. And that will just keep the thing going forever and a day, and if there is a bit of inflation, all you need to do is nudge taxes up a bit, soak the rich, and everything will be all right. Well, um, that is certainly an opinion that's out there, and uh, in, specifically on Tesla, I mean, if you're a bull of Tesla, the other thing you'd say is that a lot of the debt, which was concerned um, two, three years ago, that Tesla was on the brink, to, brink of bankruptcy, I mean, Musk admitted as much himself. Well, that is certainly not the case now, because a lot of the convertible debt can be uh, converted into equity and um, clearly sort of dilute the stock of it, but they, they ain't going to go bankrupt anytime soon. That's, that's, so, so that is one uh, positive if you're a bull of Tesla. But for the Tesla story to work, you know, forget what interest rates are. Um, you know, they can be zero for as long as you like, and they have been for 
sometime. They've, the, the, the company's still got to make money, and, and there's no evidence that, uh, that that's going to happen anytime soon. So, Isn't that a rather old-fashioned concept, the idea that uh, for shares to go up, companies have to make money? Well, it certainly is at the moment, but I mean, I just, uh, I just cannot believe that uh, that that uh, this thing has got that much longer to run. I mean, I've been wrong on this now for what last two or three years, but I mean, I think that there is signs that this market is beginning to look a little bit tired, and people are beginning to uh, get a bit sceptical about some of these names, particularly in the U.S., where where. Um, the market really has gone bananas. I mean, it, with the UK, I think there are some very good opportunities in the UK. Probably today uh, is, a, is a good time to look at some of these things. But, um, yeah, as to when the, the, the lunacy ends, um, which is encapsulated in Tesla and quite a few other stocks, but Tesla, the main one, is anybody's guess. But it looks to me, I mean, just to very briefly touch on this conivirus thing, that, as people have pointed out, I mean, the market almost, it, it seems to me, in terms of the, the fall, a, a huge overreaction. But what a lot of people might say is the market really needs to take a bit of a breather and have a reality check. And this coronavirus thing is quite a good excuse to hang it on. I mean, before we get to, before we get to uh, 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 bat eating in China and that sort of thing, uh, it, can we just go back to a reason why one might be bullish about the market? And for those who are, uh, are new to my work, I'm not a bull. I'm just playing the, uh, the fool or whatever it is for to Lucien. Uh, Donald Trump, if he's going to get re-elected, he's been given a gift horse with these crazy impeachment proceedings by the Democrats, which make them look even more barking than they already are. Um, but to make sure that he wins, and certainly wins the swing states, he's got to keep the American economic miracle on the road for another nine months. Ten yeah. months, 11 yeah. months. Yeah. And, and I oh, think... God, it doesn't matter what happens in 2021. As long as we come November to early November and the American economy is still growing... Wall Street's still going up, and, it, and people forget that in America, it's not just rich people who own stocks. Everybody's got them in plans to put their kids through yep. college, etc. So it matters to everyone. As long as the real economy's growing, as long as Wall Street's going up in November, Trump is, is home. He's going to win. He'll probably take a, a sweep uh, uh, the House and increase the majority in the Senate. That's all he cares about, and he will do everything he can to ensure that happens. I totally agree with that, and um, I also think that the fact that Bernie Sanders seems to be uh, uh, the man now um, in, the, in the betting, at any rate, is falls into Trump's hands because I don't think he's got a, a prayer against Trump, Sanders. But, but you, ha I, I don't think that the market is is discounting anything other than a Trump victory. So it's, it's not, not, it's not like the a, Trump victory. It's not the Trump victory uh, uh, that, that that is the issue. Although obviously. All right, thinking people will be praying for that. Um, it, it's the fact that in order to achieve that victory, Trump will do whatever is ever is needed. He'll pressurise the Fed to make sure that interest rates stay where they are or go down. He will pump prime the economy with more reckless spending and with more reckless tax cuts. And it may be storing disaster in 2021 because the American deficit and debt is completely out of control. It may be storing disaster for 2021, but no one cares. And that means that there's effectively a, a, a sort of Trump put 
on the market. Well, I would I would agree with that, and I would think that's why that this is going to be a difficult year, um, macro-wise, for predicting what's going to happen between now and November, and and therefore one has got to proceed with. I, I think you know, as as somebody with, like myself with a bearish bias, you've got to get up every morning and assume that the market's going to be up all the time, which it has been for the last. Well, well, with a few exceptions for the last 10 years. So I think that this is a between now and November is going to be, I would think, you know, pretty uneventful market wise. I don't think we're going to see a, a, a rally at the pace of last year. But neither, I agree with you, do I think that we're going to see a massive sell off because I think Trump probably does just about have the cards to prevent one. So I mean, in our own small island, I know that we, you know, we're the cork on the American wave. But again, Boris uh, has told everyone that Brexit will be good for Britain, and I, you know, I'll be celebrating with everybody else on the uh, uh, right mind on, on, on Friday about that. Uh, but he can't afford the UK economy to do badly. Therefore, he is abandoning all basic principles of conservative thinking. So we are going to get the odd tax cut, and we're certainly going to get reckless government spending here as well. Uh, probably, but um, again, you know, America is the big uh, elephant in the room. I happen to think that the UK offers a lot of value at the moment. I mean, particularly with low interest rates. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, stocks, but, but well, UK-based stocks on the FTSE and a lot of stocks on the 250, which is really UK PLC, I think there's a lot of value. Um, I mean, for, to take the banks. The, I, I like Lloyd's Bank, and I understand that... Um, well, I'm told, and I've never quite got to the bottom of this, that obviously lower, low interest rates are bad for banks, right? That's just taken as a given. But if you actually look at it, and Lloyd's is the one I know most about, in 2007, when the uh, net inter when interest rates were five and three quarters, six percent, Lloyd's's uh, net interest margin was 2.78 percent, and now with interest rates at three quarters of a percent and a 50 percent chance the market's telling you of another cut on Thursday and uh, Lloyd's have guided to a net interest rate of 2.88 percent so I think the kind of correlation or just the general assumption low interest rates you know you've got to slaughter Lloyd's and, and the rest of the banks you know these this thing yields uh, getting on for six percent I think it's in areas like that uh, that, that there's quite a lot of value in the UK, but obviously you have to oh, be are careful. Are you concerned with the banks that we are ten years into a bull market? The banks will have made some loans over the past two or three years to some fairly ropey covenants. Uh, the consumer and corporate world are grossly overborrowed and under-resourced. If there is any external shock to the UK economy, uh, whatever that is, that could mean that bad debts just go out of control. Yeah, but I don't think that the UK is anything like uh, the, the the corporate debt excesses in, in the UK are not nothing like that they are in the US. And I would agree with you that if there is a major setback in the US, it has ripples all over the shop. But you, I, I'm relatively confident on uh, the UK economy. I, I mean, I'm no, I'm no big fan of Boris, but I think that, you know, he probably will. I, I think, you know, the whole... Um, Brexit uncertainty, which has returned since the general election as to exactly the nature of the trade deal vis-a-vis -vis Europe and America and all the rest of it, is probably overdone. And I, you know, I think well, Boris is probably 
the man to be uh, in charge at the moment to muddle through some sort of deal uh, by the end of the year. And I think that there is a lot of money sitting on the sidelines at the moment. And if can, Trump, <coughs> Trump can keep the show on the road to November, I would think you'll see quite a lot of people looking at the UK market as being one of the cheapest around. So you so, and Neil Woodford would be sort of uh, 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 cheerleaders for Britain as a store of value? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing, about <laughs> the thing about Woodford is that um, he completely departed from the uh, philosophy that made him successful. So Woodford is really sort of two people. There's sort of pre-going crazy Woodford and buying all this illiquid pharma rubbish. Before that, you know, when his track record was relatively good, had he stuck to that, although he did pick some real dogs in, in, in those sectors, admittedly, um, I think, you know, the, the basic idea that there is value in UK PLC probably stands up. But, you know, Woodford's demise is, is uh, really nothing to do with that. His demise is because he completely deserted his uh, principles yeah, and went mad. So, OK, so everything's going good in Britain. Personally, I'm, I'm not saying it's brilliant, but I'm saying that there is, if you're looking for value, I uh, and, and today is quite a good day, incidentally, I think, to be looking for value. I mean, look at, for instance, British Airways got smashed today. Um, I think there's, a, uh, you know, things like Lloyd's, Legal and General. I mean, Lloyd's obviously is dependent on what happens on Thursday with the... Uh, with the, the the rate cut, and that there'll be a knee jerk if, if there is a cut, probably you might pick them up cheaper. But I think there is a lot of value in the UK, particularly if I'm talking, you know, next nine, ten months, if it's going to look like Boris is going to come out with some sort of deal, and if Trump is going to keep the show on the road until November, which I suspect the likelihood is that he will. So, I mean, to get to cut to the chase, I think one has got to be very cautious between now and November and just look at you know, individual names on the short side and the long side where, um, you know, the market going up or the market going down should not be, should, should not be a factor. Okay, let's turn to today then and, and uh, the, this problem in, little problem in China. Um, uh, you, you seem to be sort of dismissing this. So, well, I think... These, these things happen now and again, it's a bit unfortunate, it, but... Yes, I mean, if you look at Wall Street, for instance, right now, it's pretty much and this is allowing for the for the, the, the um, we're recording this before the open, but it's looking like a pretty chunky fall. Um, it's going to be absolutely flat on the year. So, you know, and that and that includes the uh, setback with the assassination of um Soleimani, which was the repercussions of which were pretty short-lived. I suspect, and I don't want to te tempt fate, that like the SARS and the Ebola, this thing is being rather, you know, as generally speaking, you know, geopolitical risk and these health scares are generally not uh, the uh, reason for a huge market sell-offs, unless the market is minded to sort of sell off anyway, which I suspect there's an element of at the moment. But, okay, so 51, however many people have died in China, and they've... 65 or something. It's rising, it's rising pretty okay. rapidly. Uh, yeah, but, I mean... And, there are, and, of course, the Chinese are not very good when it comes to reporting things accurately. There's a suggestion yeah. that quite a lot of people are being recorded as dying of pneumonia when, in fact, they've got yeah. the coronavirus. Yeah, okay, but, you know... Uh, Yes, I take all that, but I, I just say that history tells you that, you know, when was the last time that there was a major market uh, 
sell-off or decimation of the population on uh, these pandemics. How did the market do during the Spanish flu outbreak, Lucian? Uh, Well, that was... I don't know what, I mean, I know that it killed more people than were killed in the First World War. And I, I don't know, I don't think we had the stock market at the time of the Black Death. And I'm not saying that these things don't happen, but I, I, I would bet that, um, like the uh, Iranian geopolitical nonsense when, where the market fell, what, 800 points when we were all in bed and by the time we woke up it was rallying strongly, that uh, this thing will... will start losing traction in the press when I don't know. Obviously, it's going to carry on. For but what we don't know, I mean, Ebola um, was largely people in Africa. Um, it does seem very likely there are people right now wandering around major cities in, in Britain, America, Canada, Australia, France, uh, who got this virus and are happily infecting other people. Yeah, maybe. Now, that that um, wouldn't I'm... be good, would it? Sorry? If that is indeed the case, and we start seeing, uh, um, you know, people dropping dead in London and New York, don't you think that might spook the markets a bit? Well, it depends on the quantity of people dropping dead in London and New York. Um, I mean, how many people drop dead in London and New York every day? Um, I, I, I just think, I mean, you know, we can go on for this for ages. It's, I just don't think that it's a... I think that the world has enough problems... Uh, financially and the whole structure of the uh, economy, the, the economy, all the, all the major world economies at the moment are uh, serious matters uh, without having to um, drag the coronavirus thing into it, which I suspect, and you know, I may be wrong, that uh, it will come and go like SARS and Ebola did. But, you know, that's just my opinion. And, um, Would you be booking a holiday to China right now? No, but I, I, I wouldn't anyway. <laughs> right, let's move on from that. So the, the basic premise is that it probably would be dangerous to be a reckless short over the coming 10 months, um, and that if you are short of something, you have to have a stop loss in place. Correct. I think, you, I, I think you've got to, as always with shorts, you've got to look at something where you think that there's some, uh, where you think that there's... Uh, uh, and you know, not 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 just a valuation uh, play because you can't just short valuations because they can get crazier and crazier. But something where you think there is an event which will happen, whatever the market does. At ditto with longs. But I mean, I, I we can discuss a number of names if you like, both long and short. But you know, on the short tack, where I feel frustrated and difficult at the moment is that the obvious candidates are ones where there is little to absolutely zero borrow, so it's not worth one's time really spending too much time on them. Um, so you've got you as well as finding a candidate, you've got to find a candidate that A, there's borrow, and B, it's not likely the borrow can be recalled anytime soon. Which... Okay, well, let's just, just go with a hypothetical one here. We're, we're going to talk about it in detail, but Vasarian, we can both yeah. agree uh, for various reasons the stock is on fundamentals grossly overvalued, the danger is, I don't know what the shares are today, 77, 78 P or something. The danger is that... 75. Sorry? 75. Oh, right, okay. But the so, danger is, yeah. surely, I mean, Neil, Ricketts, Neil Ricketts puts out uh, uh, the, the uh, shockingly raptastic uh, uh, boss of Vasarian, puts out an RNS about how he signed another MOU with 
Uh, presumably, it wouldn't be with someone in China at the moment, but with, some, with someone somewhere. And the shares can, on relatively low volume, just go through the roof and go through 100p. And if you've got any sort of short stop loss in place, you, you're shorted out. Yeah, well, that is the danger where there's very little borrow. You can get stopped out and then not reopen the trade. But you've got to have stops on anything now. I mean, we're, we're the, the chart of Versarion doesn't look very good. And it looks like a few people are beginning to sort of lose faith on these constant promises that never get delivered upon. But at the same time, you know, there's absolutely no point blaming the evil shorters on this one. I mean, I wish I was able to say that I'm an evil shorter on this one. But, the, but you know, I, I request borrow every day and have done for the, every day for about the last sort of three months. And the, my short in Versailles is probably one of the smallest I've got, not because... I'm not convinced that the thing goes a lot lower, but because I can't borrow it. So, um, you know, this idea that the share price is in any way being affected by shorters is, well, if it is, please, could somebody tell me where to find some borrow? Because um, <laughs> I can't. It's certainly not me, and it's certainly not anyone I know who's got mo modest short positions in Versaria. At 75p, the market caps for 110, 115 million quid. Yeah. Um, last year, so if we ignore the legacy businesses, which are non-graphene uh, and uh, essentially are um, in a good year, break even, um, in a good year, uh, but most years make small loss. Just ignore them from the equation for the time being. Sales of graphene last year, I established 10 days ago, were just £27,000. Mm. This company is trading, therefore, on uh, four and a half thousand times sales. Um, is that just not the new paradigm? No, I, I, I think, I mean, to be fair to Versarion, um, which... We always are, Lucian. Um, I don't think they've ever claimed to be making huge graphene sales. What, what they're claiming is that they're always about to make huge graphene sales. So if you're a bull of Versarion, the fact that they're, they've sold nothing, a few samples for, what, 20,000, 30,000 dollars is neither here nor there it's what they're about to do which gets people all excited so but and as the share price is telling you uh people are beginning to think well hang on a minute you know you've been saying that we're on the cusp of um great things for what two three four years now and it's about time that that um delivery takes place because you know by nature people start losing patience if nothing happens and I think that's where you are with Bursarian at the moment. Um, Wait, we're, we're actually into year six of the graphene story at Bursarian. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot of things just don't add up, you know. No, for instance, um, I know you've been on the case of this guy in America. You know, that, what, what happened Brian to the, You know, in, in 2017, they announced an office in Palo, or, or they're, they're starting an office in Palo Alto, <laughs> California probably to be close to Elon. Um, what happened to that? Then we get a, what do they call it, a fully developed hub. Hub, yes. So R&D and sales hub in Texas. What, yeah, yeah. But I think a developed hub. And then, you know, what's happened to that? Now, and now it's a, a well, service. Well, I forced them to admit that actually that's a serviced office with no staff. Right. And, um, I mean, just if you're a US corporation wanting to, do a deal with Bursarian. So you find out from Bursarian that uh, its new US chief and only employer is this guy, Brian Burney. So how, how do you get hold of him? I mean, 
you know, he doesn't. Okay, it's not a it's not it's not a legal requirement to to tell LinkedIn that you've changed your job from working from a Chinese subsidiary uh, selling motorbike batteries to being a full time employee at Versari. And I mean, you know, it's not it's not the law that you have to. But you know, how I'm a U.S. corporation. I want to do a deal. How do I do? How do I get hold of anybody in? in uh, the US. They don't well, seem apparently like you website. call the in, in Britain. Right. And you say, please, can I speak to Brian Burney? Um, and, uh, you know, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. You know, they call, they said they'd started a sales operation in the US. Well, oh, but there's no one working know. in the office. So I'm afraid you have to call the Britain for the time being. Yeah, right. So, you know, it does, maybe it does. the US isn't the future. Maybe, you know, that, that was then. Things have moved on. The future's China. Uh, because in uh, March of last year, they announced that this company, BIGT, was, has signed an MOU to take a 15% stake in Vasari. Mm. But then a better deal came along, apparently. But what I can't understand is how, um, if Ricketts claims that he didn't know the precise terms of the BIGT deal... Then he could. That was well, a, you have to know the terms if a better deal comes along. He, he claimed he didn't know the terms because he was actually when the shares roofed it on the BIGT uh, announcement. He sold hundreds of thousand pounds worth of shares. Yeah, and then a better deal comes along, which is what mentioned first on Twitter and then dragged out in, in an RNS. I mean, the, the the whole thing doesn't really make any sense to me. And uh, you... as I say, I'm not spending a great deal of time on it simply because I can't. I can't get short of them. But, you know, the, the the share price is telling you that these things are still, in my opinion, wildly overvalued compared to the competition, who incidentally seem to be shifting graphene, although the bulls would say that what they're shifting isn't actually graphene. Um, it's some inferior product, but at least they seem to be selling stuff, you know, like Nano Explore and some of these other companies at a fraction of the market cap. And... Uh, uh, you know, what, what, what are they, they? They've got capacity for three tons. They say, well, how much does this stuff cost to produce? How much are they going to sell it for? Nobody's making these discussions. You know, they're, they're talking about these sort of unlimited possibilities with ACOM arches and all the rest of it. You know, there are no sums being done that I've seen about, you know, how much does an ACOM arch weigh, for instance? What percentage of that uh, weight? is graphene how much does the graphene cost uh how much of the uh, uh acon prepared or, or the agent of acon prepared to pay for it how many arches are we talking about you know none of this is is gone into it's all just you know it's a wonderful project and uh, neil will sort it all out and there are loads of other ones coming up as well i mean it just it just, you can't you can't persuade investors that this is ridiculous but it just clearly is and anyway you know it's not it's not something that I really spend too much. I mean, I did a reasonable amount of work on it, and then you know the borrow dried up, so I've sort of slightly lost interest in it. But, Isn't this? Uh, given that in the Vasarian uh, uh, calendar, cartoons of both you and I feature almost every month. Yeah, I've got one. Yeah. I've got one too. Yeah, so it's your duty to keep on following. Perhaps you know. I mean, it is possible, is it not? Uh, that Neil Ricketts was indeed about uh, set to fly to China to conclude his deals with uh, these corporations which don't have any websites or any telephone numbers but really do exist, but that um, the, the coronavirus has, has stopped him doing so. Well, I suppose that would be a useful excuse, but I doubt that even Neil Ricketts will, uh, will, will stoop low enough to 
pull that one out of the hat. I mean, presumably these things can be done over the telephone. I don't know. I mean, one thing I would say is, which, you know, I, I, I find a little bit um, unsatisfactory, is this, uh, I know that we know... Um, Tim Kempster, who's done quite a lot of work on Versailles, and he's been been accused of lying. I can't think of one thing he said which is factually incorrect. But he did ask on Twitter, I've got it on a snapshot somewhere, um, Neil Ricketts, about this mysterious organisation called CIGUI. And he said, who claimed to have offices in pretty much every country in the world. And he said... Uh, including in the UK and London. In, including London. And, and Tim... Kempster said, well, can you tell me, please, the address stroke telephone number of their office in London? To which Ricketts sort of basically replied, yes, I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell you um, because I've got better things to do. Well, that's fair enough. But uh, if, as I suspect, uh, I not suspect, I know that they have absolutely no office in London, nor New York, nor anywhere else that their website claims, then I think that's quite a serious a serious uh, comment to make to say that he was to be fair said that he was very busy I mean he was busy uh, posting things in uh, uh, private and illegal chat rooms uh, where they discussed insider dealing and how to nail me and my wife and various other things yeah. um, uh, and busy uh, putting out tweets which his nomad didn't like uh, but you would have thought the nomad uh, Bobby Hilliam of Canaccord formerly of course at Sencos where he signed off on all of Quindell's lying fraudulent statements You'd have thought that Bobby Hilliam at Canaccord would be asking these sort of questions too. Well, I to give him to get to give him his due. I don't think he. I mean, presumably for, for this very reason, he's he's said to Ricketts, "Can you stop tweeting?" Because I notice he hasn't been tweeting for a bit. But you know, I poor old Hilliam having to spend his whole life looking at uh, uh, Ricketts's tweets. Um, would be a full-time job until recently. So, but actually, um, the thing about CIGU, whatever it's called, is that in an RNS signed off by Hilliam, uh, mm. it is stated that this organisation has offices in eight locations around no, the world. No, no, I I, does it say that? I don't know about that. I just looked at their website, and it says, you know, we have offices in London, New York, Paris, you know, you name it, we've got offices. Okay, there. but in, in um, an RNS... So, but but uh, what I'm RNS, saying is... Sarin has claimed to be doing doing a deal with this company, if yeah. Hillian was doing his job properly, he would be going to Ricketts and saying, well, can you just give me the London number uh, yeah. and address? Uh, and then if it turns out that you're that you're putting out an RNS saying you're going to do a deal with a company which makes claims which are not true, that is the sort of thing a nomad should be investigating. It's well, like, I, mean, you know, that, I, I agree with that. Coil thing. And instead, Tim Kempster does it, and he gets all sorts of grief and flack for doing it. But, but, uh, but it's like it's like the Lec oil thing, where the company yeah. claims it's borrowing a whole load of money from some fake shakes. The nomad said, "Yeah, fine, yeah, Mr. Shakes, one shake's as good as any other shake." Didn't verify, and it turns out they're fake shakes. Here, surely, if it emerges that CIGIU is not good for the for the investment, because in fact it doesn't have offices around the world and is just a paper tiger, helium looks like a prize twit. It's a very easy thing for him to demand of his clients, give me the address. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And, um, yeah, you know, whether, whether or not um, the, the CIGIU has the funds necessary to launch any joint venture project, whatever you have, um, 
it ought to raise a few eyebrows that you're doing business with a company that claims to have offices all over the world when clearly they don't. Or if they do, you know, how simple would it be to, to for for Ricketts or or the Nomad to say yes, uh, Kempster, Myers, Winifred, you're wrong. Here is the address of the London office. Here is the address of the New York office. Or, you know, say, oh, well, we used to have offices, they've now been closed, and, you know, the website, they forgot to revamp it, blah, blah, blah. You know, to say something, but not just to ignore it. But uh, anyway, should we move on from Vasarian? Let's move on from Vasarian. But for the avoidance of doubt, you would... Oh, sorry, no, no, one thing before we move on. You say, if you're going to have a short, you have to have a critical event. The critical event for Vasarian, I, I mean, I hope it is that Bobby Hillian resigns as Nomad, because he's sick of Ricketts telling untruths in RNSs. Um, but is there another t- potential critical event, which is money? Uh, Lack of it. I, yes, but, but so let, uh, to, well, we'll move on in a minute to one with a mo- much more critical problem there. But I, I don't, to me, that's not the issue, because um, you can probably work out when they're going to need to raise money. They say 12 months, I think. But... Um, it's, it's it's not if you're a bull of Versailles and you're not worried about the fact that they've got practically no money and you'd probably be quite happy to bung them a few more million in a in a um uh however they did it last time um that rather odd way of um raising money when you're when your broker's not prepared to do it for you no they uh, last time no, no Lucian, last time they they raised five million a play and then went to primary bid to top it up. The question is, they can always go to primary bid. And well, I'm that's sure what I'm talking about. I thought they raised it through... through. No, I'm sure they could They could get some through primary bid um, if they offered it at a big enough discount. But it isn't going to be anyone anyone with serious pockets who's going to bucket shop. You know, that sort of people, are they going to bankroll it for another five or six million? Well, what about I did primary bid put up five million, didn't they? Or people in I think the way that primary bid works is that you go to if you're going to try and raise six million through primary bid, you get bucket shops to say we're good for five million, and then the primary bid money comes in on top. Well, any yeah, anyway, I don't think that um, money is uh, it would be the top of my issues with Versarian. I, my issue, and as you, you said, what's the event? I think in, in, certain, in, in certain instances, uh, by event, I think you could read non-event. I think that the chances of Versarian coming up with any, you know, blockbuster deal with the team that they've got and the style of the management is uh, very unlikely. So um, you, so, you just so think it's really on we, it'll be boredom. People yes, will give yes. up on the promise. I think sooner or later, now. people are just going to say, "Look, come on, you know, you've been talking about these JVs and and uh, MU, uh, MOUs and this and that and the other, and you know, it's 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 time now to to, to announce something, um, or you know, we're we're just going to move on to something else. You know, a lot of people are probably sitting on losses now in Basari. I mean, admittedly, you know, they've come up. They're still what a five bagger from the from the IPO, but. But, you know, there are a lot of people who have probably got in over a quid, you know, at the time when Neil was selling them on 140 or whatever. So, so you know, you, they're going to... People just lose patience. So they, that's just what happens in life. Um, but okay, anyway, let's move on to a company with a real... Move on with... Um, well, I think, you know, 
you you do definitely have an event here, and it's a much smaller company. But the reason I became interested in it is because there is a little bit of borrow, and that is Vars. Now, <laughs> Vars seems to me. I mean, Versarion is what 150 million. Vars is a fraction of that here at 26, 27 million. But it seems to me that. Um, it, their finances are just. I've read reports that they're running out of money right now, or some people saying that rebelt tightening they might be able to carry on until April. But the fact is that the only hope overhanging this company is getting away an unbelievably diluted death spiral uh, finance, which they announced back in October. Then there was a delay. And then on the 2nd of January, they said, we've now sort of formally requested it to be sent. And what are we today? The 27th of January. You know, where's the money? So you've got two options. One, they don't raise the money. And where does that leave them? Two, they do raise the money. And it's a, 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 and it's a punitive death spiral. Three, they go to their brokers and raise money, I guess, is the other option. Which would, But the fact that they... Can't, can't seem to get away a ruinous death spiral suggests that they can't go that route either. And what kind of a discount would they have to have to raise money in a placing? So, I mean, it looks to me like um, the event there is them just hitting the wall financially or the, either this convertible closing or it not closing. Either way, it's very bad for the stock. It, it makes the point that not all death spirals are the same. Some uh, are not necessarily going to destroy the share price, but some are structured in a way where they are guaranteed to destroy the share price. Well, if you look at the vast... Uh, it's in the latter category. It is in the latter category. And you're talking about if, you know, if they don't pay off the money by a certain amount, which they almost certainly wouldn't do, you know, they have to pay off twice the principal. So, you know, it's borrowing money. It sort of, you know, it makes credit card borrowing look like look cheap. You know, it's 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 real last chance saloon stuff. And um, but that makes the point. I mean, that's the, the fact that uh, they are even considering what is uh, possibly the worst death spiral on offer tells you that there is no. I mean, if they could borrow the money on their credit card, they would. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, they could and go to a broker, just, they would. The whole thing, I mean, you know, even dear old MySquare, which I think you covered quite a lot, um, you know, how these things all be work is you, you announce, you know, we've done a death spiral, we've got the money. You know, you don't say we've done a death spiral, uh, we might have the money in three months, and then say after three months, um, we've, we've requested that we draw down on tranche one of the death spiral, and then three weeks later, nothing appears to have happened. So, One of the problems that this, this particular death spiral provider named appears to be a company with um, 10,000 quid issued share capital and whose telephone number doesn't work and whose office is deserted. That, 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 that wouldn't inspire me with total confidence. They would no, no, I have to correct you there, Tom. Um, the, the, the telephone number on their website... Uh, is the wrong one, but in fact, it is a manned office in Mayfair, but they are basically just agents. It's two guys who are agents with an American 
company called Arena Investors, which is basically a death spiral provider. So the fact that they have £10,000 capital is neither here nor there, and that was a few years ago. They, they will just be introducing the deal to these Americans who can or cannot uh, finance it. I should um, perhaps remind you that, as, that looking at it very briefly, the last... These companies obviously have make huge margins, but occasionally they get sandbagged by a company going bust before they're able to convert and dump the stock. And that looks to me like exactly what happened with MySquare and Atlas, because Atlas were the providers of the death spiral to MySquare. And if you look at the last few announcements of MySquare before it went bust or stopped trading, or um, I think that uh, Atlas Capital stroke Arena had outstanding convertible bonds, so they will have taken a bit of a bath on that. I mean, it does, it does make the valid point here that there are people uh, out there in bulletin board la la land who say just because uh, uh, Winifred says the company is a fraud, which in the case of MySquare I did for many years, and indeed was proved to be quote, totally correct, it was a fraud uh, with the fraudster in, ch in, in, ch in charge stealing a lot of the money. Um, but just because, uh, but if he says that. You know, he's just a failed fund manager, works in a pizza restaurant, etc. But you've got these regulated individuals lending it money. It can't be a fraud. But the reality is these regulated individuals will do a death spiral to any company, whether it's a fraud or not, as long as they think they can convert their death spirals into shares and flog the shares. Yeah. And occasionally they get a reality check, like with MySquare. Yeah, the thing goes bust on them and they're holding a million, I forget what they were holding, but around about a million still in converts. Well, they're probably making about 25, 30%. So they probably clawed back quite a bit of that on the first lot they dumped. But, you know, these things aren't uh, absolutely uh, uh, foolproof. And uh, it would probably make them even more cautious. I mean, these guys are not going to sit on a stake. They won't do anything, you know, they, they will, whatever they say, normally dump the shares absolutely straight away i mean they're not in they, none of these guys would be in business if they if, if they sat around holding uh, disposable stakes they're not long-term investors shall no they? absolutely not okay so um, last uh, i i should say i've, I've written a piece uh, uh, today uh, uh, monday the 27th or whatever it is uh, uh, pointing out the vast also uh, pay bulletin board morons to post rubbish on bulletin boards, which, if you ask me, is not really a sign of a good company. I well, I think you have or Marks and Spencer. I've heard, I've heard rumours to that effect that I think you've got to be a bit careful that, um, uh, about that. I mean, it's a very difficult thing to prove, but I agree, I totally agree with you that if that is the case, that... And I'm not saying that it is because I have absolutely no. I'm no, saying but, that it is. Okay, you're saying that it is. But if a company uh, or a company's management is paying uh, people to post positive uh, stuff on whatever bulletin board it might be, then that I think is very serious. Just, just as I would consider it to be extremely serious, which people seem to allege about you is that you pay people to make disparaging comments in some sort of shorting conspiracy, lies and untruths about perfectly good British companies would be equally despicable. But uh, long or short, for manage, obviously either management or 
detractors, shorters, to pay people to publish um, uh, bullish or bearish uh, untruths is, uh, is, is very bad, very bad. Well, for the avoidance of doubt, I do not pay bulletin board morons to publish anything. Gosh, yes, well, I know that, but, but a lot of people were quite happy to say that you do. Um, yeah, yeah, they say a lot of things. I was reading a, reading a thread the other day uh, about uh, uh, how I was uh, married to my stepmother, my late stepmother. Not only was she my stepmother, but she was dead, but apparently I was still married to her. Never mind. Uh, uh, one's accused of many things. Moving on from uh, 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 Vast... Have you been looking at AFC Energy? Yes, yes. Um, and I see they made an announcement today. Um, I've analysed it. Yes, they've, it's, a, it's a joint venture collaboration uh, with a yeah. company which they name. But if you check it out, you'll see the company was established on April the 4th, 2019 right. and uh, has an issued share capital of 730, uh, worth £735. Right. Well, it's capitalised the truth in my book. It's capitalised here at about, what, 85? 90 million. 90 million, a bit less than that now, I think. It was up today, it's now down today. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think, you know, it's just another sort of trendy thing which people don't understand, and those who do, the people that I trust who do claim to understand it tell me that, you know, the thing just doesn't work. And uh, This is sort of green shit, isn't it? And, and, you know, batteries. Again, it's the sort of thing that, you know, if it was going to work, it would have worked by now. And, the pe you know, people who make these things work, if they ever do, and I'd sort of slightly drag Vasarian into this as well, is that they're hugely sort of capital-intensive big projects and tiny little lame companies with a few million quid. I noticed they've just raised money uh, uh, at, what, 17 pence mm. in, uh, in the last week? Um, twice. So... You know, they, they do have their believers, but I would agree with that. Um, again, it's... I know, the, the person that uh, AFC raises money with is a flipper, so it just flips the stock. Yeah. So uh, it's never a long-term holder. And, and, of course, it needs the money. When you're paying... When you're, 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 your cost of employing your CEO is a million quid a year, which is the case with AFC, yeah. uh, the cost of the company, uh, you kind of need to raise money all the time. Yeah. And, and again, you know, to go back to event driven things or non event driven things, I think that that's, you know, AFC has been around the block a bit, hasn't it? And uh, ne never delivered anything. And, you know, it's just a question of, you know, people thinking, well, hang on a minute, when are you going to start making money? And, you know, when's the next raise? And uh, I would think that, you know, bad sign for AFC is where it goes below. I mean, it's holding above it now, but I would think when it goes below the last raise price, which in this case is 17p, you'll probably get a bit of acceleration because it's not the sort of, it's a punter's stock, isn't it? I think, you know, it's probably fair to say that most people just in there for the short term uh, 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 to flip it. Um, it doesn't seem to have a, a sort of long-term investor base. So... I would think that that, again, is just a, a sort of drifter, you know. They, and, and, you know, it's come up from, what, 10p in a pretty short space of time, just on sort of hype. And these things tend to go back, you know, revert to mean. And I would think that that's a prime candidate for that. Is, uh, I mean, I, I, sorry to hark back to today's announcement from the company. Uh, if you make a great deal about doing a joint venture or a collaboration with a company... And it turns out the company is a startup with no money. 
and therefore I put it to you, almost certainly no, no product anywhere close to commercialization. But that's not made clear in the release. Uh, is that not a bit of a red flag? No, I, is it, I agree. It's, it's, it's the idea that you know companies which have got no revenues or sales or, or profits or anything, in order to keep the show on the road, by which I mean they, to keep issuing confetti to pay the bloated salary of the CEO, etc., they have to announce news. And this patently isn't news. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a non-deal with a non-company, which incidentally... They are funding by, they say they're putting in 400,000, that's AFC. Yeah. 100,000 yeah. of that is in their own grossly overvalued shares, and 300,000 yeah. is in in kind. In other yeah. words, they're not yeah. investing a cent of cash yeah. in this. Yeah, despite, despite just having raised £2 million. Pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, if your currency shares are that high, then good luck to them. I mean, you know, for how much have they had to raise for the 100 grand? It's. It's uh, half a million shares or something. Um, so, fine. But, but the point is, it, they're, they're investing. They're not putting us a, a penny of cash into this venture. No. The partner is a joke company with no cash, although it clearly will have some money when it flogs the shares it's being given. Um, it's it, making this sort of release. This has all the hallmarks of a of a promote. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, keeping the show on the road for the guys who took the stock at 17p, I should imagine. Until they can get out. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's another one. Again, not quite a sort of, you know, like, like with Vast, an event that is, you know, coming down the track pretty rapidly. But I think it's just a sort of, as you say, ennui. You know, people are going to think, well, hang on, um, you know, nothing's happened here. Move on. Move on to the next one. Um, people get bored quite quickly in this in this day and age, don't they? So, well, okay. So we've highlighted three uh, uh, stocks which you would like to have a bigger short in, but you are already sort of short in on aim. Are there any others? Well, yeah, but for that, I have to I I have to look at uh, the United States, where obviously there's quite a bit more liquid. I mean, just to mention three very briefly. I mean, what as I said, I think this year is a year for not where you know the market is probably not going to do a huge amount for the next eight months which which is a good excuse to just sort of take stock read books look at things read well, reports, I've, I've said that, given, given um, how badly your your, your trade your trading tesla and other things have been um, i'm actually going to charge you for this bear car this podcast because <laughs> i'm keeping you away from the markets i'm saving well, you money well, no. this year um, I mean, some things that I've been looking at recently, and I think it's very good to read these reports because there are various, in, in, in the States, they are, um, you know, there's some pretty devastating stuff comes out. And uh, the, some that I'm looking at is uh, one that was done on a company called, this is a, we're talking two billion pound companies here, billion dollar companies, right? One is called Opera. And the research was done by Hindenburg Research, who, are, who I think are, are pretty good and on the money. It's a question of getting the timing right. But um, if uh, listeners would care to read that report, it's pretty devastating. I mean, it's saying that basically uh, their core business, which is a um, browser in Africa, uh, is losing traction. So they've pretty, pretty rapidly since their flotation. So they pivoted to lending money at 
ruinous short-term rates via their app, which is in direct contrast to Google's uh, it's an, and, and their apps are Android, to Google's uh, policy about short-term money lending and not being allowed to do it on Google apps. So I think that, and, and, and on top of that, a, a series of uh, ridiculous related party transactions where, you know, they're just investing in companies, that raising money from US punters and, and uh, investing it in companies controlled by the management, which seems to be pretty clear. So uh, that's what I'm looking at. And that is a Norwegian-based but Nasdaq-listed company, isn't it? C correct. Well, it's really African-based now. I mean, their apps are, I think the actual head office is Norway, in Norway, but the, but, but, but the business is in Africa. And a lot of it is, uh, according to this report, and, and it seems pretty black and white from quoting Google's updated uh, rules and regulations on short-term and predatory money lending, uh, the business will just go away. Uh, the other one by uh, firm is QTT. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce the company, um, but the, the ticker is QTT. Where, um, this is on NASDAQ I mean, again. This is also on NASDAQ. Is it Chinese? Um, well, uh, they're both Chinese. Yeah, both. Uh, it's called QTOTIAO. Uh, about the code is QTT, and the, the report, I think, is absolutely devastating, done back in December by uh, Wolfpack uh, Research, who's, I think, a friend of Carson Block, of your friend at Muddy Waters. And, uh, I mean, that the, the allegations there, which seem to be fairly well presented, are just absolutely devastating. And, and what is amazing is that... And the allegations week. being that the, the company doesn't have the money which it says it has, etc., etc. Yeah. Et so the other day, the company announced that, um, A, they, they had to restate their cash balance. B, the uh, finance director was leaving with effective immediately. And C, they sh filed a shelf registration for uh, various insiders in a prospectus to be able to sell stock in the market. And you know what happened? Shares went up 3%. Correct. Well, they ain't now. But I mean, you know, that is, I think, it's, it's, I would recommend people to read these research reports and then make up their own mind about timing because the likes of uh, Muddy Waters, Wolfpack, uh, Hindenburg, I see Citroen have also, I think, very convincingly said that Peloton, you know, the exercise bike company, is wildly overvalued. Um, but it's a matter of timing, because obviously you don't just read the report and whack the stock. You, you know, I think one needs to look at these things carefully and look for entry points. Um, you know, there are obviously when these reports come out, there are large short positions, as we know with Muddy Waters and Burford. And, you know, w w one never quite knows what the author of the report is going to do vis-a-vis -vis covering the position. Um, but they have, they, certain people have a habit, of be, which is why they're well known, of, of being right over time. And uh, if you look at the track record of uh, Hindenburg, Muddy Waters, uh, Wolfpack, to a lesser degree, Citroen, um, they are worth, certainly worth looking at and taking time to read the reports and, and, and you know, following the stocks and then thinking, ah, oh, this might be a good day to sell them. Uh, the other one, incidentally, where it's not the subject of real <coughs> which 
I think, event-driven is this uh, uh, Chinese Tesla, <laughs> mini, mini Chinese Tesla, Neo, which to me, the stock's gone from one and a half dollars to five dollars. It's now looking like it's going to open quite a bit lower because of this uh, coronavirus thing. But it, it, it's got a market cap of four billion US. It's absolutely uh, caught the Tesla bug. It's mostly held by, um, uh, uh, you know, they were driven by private clients. Um, that guy Anderson of Bailey Gifford just bought another chunk. And they're quite clearly running out of money. I mean, they've got absolutely zero money left. And they rallied from, they doubled on rumours that one of their joint venture partners would put in a billion the other day. Uh, GAC, it's called. GAC then said, we're not going to put in a billion. Um, we would certainly not put in more than 150 million, which incidentally wouldn't last them a month. And then there are further stories that the maximum we'd actually put in is 15 million. So, you know, this thing, the cash burn on Neo is absolutely unbelievable, but it's got kind of caught the Tesla bug. And I suspect a lot of Chinese punters are, um, are, 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 are playing around with it. And I would think that that thing is an absolute stone bonk uh, sell uh, above $4. But as always, and as we've learned with Tesla, you know, you've got to have stop losses on these things and get your timing right. Because, you know, although you may be right, you know, in the long term, these things are right at this moment, very, very uh, volatile. But, you know, whereas Tesla no longer has cash uh, concerns, because of the stock price and, and, and the fact that the convertibles now do not have to be paid back in cash. Um, they are, Neo is in a different, completely different position from that, is that it needs cash and it needs cash like, you know, very, very soon. So um, I would have thought any raise it does will be dilutive to shareholders. But it just shows, I mean, if you think of these, talk about, you know, three, people kind of forget the China hustle that came out, what, two or three years ago, and it's sort of these China frauds quoted on the US, which Donald Trump was rightly threatening to make a fuss about. But it's still alive and well. I'm not saying Neo is a fraud, but it looks clearly like Opera and QTT are. And, uh, you know, fraudulent Chinese companies quoted on liquid, a billion plus, quoted on NASDAQ and are not a thing of the past. There are still seem to be plenty of them around and good for the guys who are unearthing them. Well, of course, I think thanks to the valiant efforts of share profits, we've purged most of them from AIM, but... Uh, well, uh, the problem, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've done a good job. Our American cousins. A, a good job on AIM, but the problem with AIM is that, you know, there's not a lot on AIM, which is liquid, borrowable, and capitalised at around about, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred million. I mean, you know, there are a few. Um, look at Finabler, which is not... Well, I think, game, can, but, can we go um, in a structured way? You mentioned Carsten Block and uh, Muddy Waters just now. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the Evening Standard, that twit Mark Shapland, describes uh, Muddy, uh, Carsten Block and Muddy Waters as disgraced uh, uh, following the fact that uh, uh, the Burford PR department give him loads of scoops, I imagine. Uh, um, Carson Block and Muddy Waters are in no way disgraced, are they? Sorry, why are they called disgraced? Uh, the Evening Standards uh, uh, reporter terms them disgraced 
uh, because he's clearly taking the side of Burford in that little tussle. Uh, there's no way that it, uh, uh, Carson's one of the big names in our, 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 our side, isn't he? Well, I think he's done a pretty good job if you look at his track record. Uh, the, the, the Over the time, he, he gets uh, it right a lot more than he gets it wrong. Yeah, and, and the ones where he gets it wrong is normally where the companies take heed of what he's said and have major... I mean, Olam being a good example of that, which was a, a, a come big Singapore-based operation, or Malaysia, was it? I forget which. Um, clearly up to no good at all. And when the report came out, they said, OK, yeah, your hands up. Um, we're going to change our policies and sort of after a year or two um, managed to sort of pull the boat round. So, I, yeah, I think he does a lot of good. Um, his, his latest they, target's uh, NMC Health, which is somehow related to Finabler, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've looked into this a bit and to be honest, I haven't, I, I haven't really got the balls to short Finabler here. I was, I got an anonymous tip-off about uh, when was it? Last Sept August, September, something like that. And Finabler was 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 brought to the market, not AIM, the full market, 250 company, I think it was, in April. And uh, the tip-off was a article that came out about um, in 2014, which was after this guy Shetty had bought uh, uh, U. AE exchanges, which is a you know, it's like Travelex, a sort of uh, money. Uh, it's for you know all these expats living out in the Middle East to send money back home, kind of thing. And uh, anyway, it, it, the article showed that 15 guys had been arrested and given pretty chunky uh, uh, jail sentences, like eight years plus. And uh, in the IPO document in the risks column. Um, this is last year, they obviously, they sort of came clean to a few kind of minor infractions, like you should imagine all these companies have, but not that particular one, which seemed to me to be pretty serious. So I had a look at uh, this guy, Shetty, and asked around about him. Um, and it's just, the whole thing is just so opaque. You know, he's got NMC as well, uh, which is a healthcare business based out there about which Muddy Waters wrote. And uh, it's just uninvestable. I mean, I, th I think it's probably too late. I mean, Finabler, they put out an after-hours statement, um, which got the share price up a little bit today. I see it's now falling. I think probably one's missed the boat on that. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if both NMC and uh, uh, Finabler Go, 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 go quite a bit lower than here because you Isn't just. The problem that there, is, there are, notwithstanding certain transactions, there are still, in both cases, quite a lot of shares which are uh, uh, pledged as security on various loans. You just and there are cross hurt. holdings between the two of them. And if the share price goes down, someone faces a margin call somewhere, so they have to sell some more shares which puts pressure on other people. And we just still don't know quite it, what is the full extent of the amount of stock in both companies, which is pledged as collateral on loans. Yeah, you, but, but, but the point is, with these two companies, is that their finances are so opaque, you can bet your bottom dollar that, you, that big private equity guys will be running their slide rules over both of these companies, sort of licking their lips, thinking, great, forced seller, 
um, is this a good business? And we go and bid, um, you know, rock bottom prices to force out the sellers. And we've got two good businesses on our hands. But there's, to me, very little evidence that that is going to happen because leaving aside the ownership structure and the uh, interrelated loans and how much Shetty has got hocked up and how much is... Uh, uh, Emirates friends, these two guys called the Butties have got in uh, hopped up. I mean that in itself doesn't uh, uh, shouldn't affect the, the running of the business. The fact is that the two businesses, uh, um, well, certainly from what Muddy Waters is saying about NMC, and if you look at Finabler, I mean it does seem you know it's very it, 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 this thing is an absolute magnet for money laundering. I mean obviously the article I was shown shows a lot of people got done for it. But um, the, 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 uh, forget, forget the, uh, I mean, potentially the forced selling, if the businesses are any good, should attract serious investors. But if you think they've already gone plunging in at Finabler, there was a forced seller and paid 135 last week. So those guys with a, a credit squeeze placing, plus whatever they paid for NMC, I forget what it was, and then somebody dumped some more NMC the other day. So these guys, I don't know. I, I'll say it's, I, I think it's a, both very interesting situations and both interrelated. But would I be short of Finabler at 94p? No. Would I short NMC at 13.89? No. But I mean, there's. Would you buy either? No, I, I, I certainly wouldn't. Um, if you, if uh, I put a gun to your head and said you've got to go short or long, which would you do? I, I'd, I'd probably be. I'd be short, but. Um, you know, there is a chance that somebody, you know, people do pretty idiotic things at this moment. Look at Sirius, where I haven't co covered myself in glory. Um, God knows what Anglo-American were doing, um, talking for the, you know, giving the shareholders something there and not going straight to the bondholders. But, you know, it may be that somebody thinks self enabler, a good little business, got into, Shetty's got himself into a bit of trouble, forced seller, let's, you know, pay a quid for it. But I think... You know, the downside of these things, I mean, Muddy Waters is a, is alleging pretty serious stuff, isn't he, about NMC? I mean, fake cash balances, related party transactions. You know, he doesn't just make these things up. Um, although, you know, the Burford management would uh, have you believe that he just makes things up. But, you know, there's no, in my view, these reports generally, there's no smoke without fire. But NMC has fallen a hell of a lot. What's it fallen? Forty percent. So, is this the right price? I just don't know. It's 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 too opaque. Opaque. In the case of but, in the case of Sirius, we can agree that the that uh, it could have been possible for Anglo American to buy the assets simply by going to the bondholders. Yeah. However, uh, offering a pittance and for Anglo American five p a share is pittance five and a half p uh, yeah. means that the deal goes through far more smoothly. Yeah, and yeah. A lot of the 85,000 shareholders appear to live within 10 miles of Whitby, and giving yeah. them something rather than an almighty fuck you uh, probably means that you keep them on sides and don't have them uh, protesting outside your door and blocking your lorries for the next 10 years. Well, except that, I'd slightly disagree with that, because I think, I mean, Sirius is a, is a good example of where neither bulls or bears have really come out of this with any anything but angst. I mean, I didn't lose money on it, but I didn't make any money on it. Um, <coughs> but and, and, and I think most bulls are in there at, you know, five piece, pretty much an insult to them. I mean, the vast majority of the 
of the guys are all in there at sort of 30, 40 p. And I think, you know, getting 5p kind of almost makes them more angry than if the thing had just gone bust, because, you know, they, it's just a sort of reminder of how much they've lost on it. I mean, I think, you know, mentally speaking, if you think, oh, well, the things went bust, you know, they gave it a go and it didn't work, you can kind of, do you know what I mean? You can almost live with that more than thinking, oh, this predatory Anglo-American has come in and ripped us all off by underpaying for a great project they'll make huge amounts of money on it and we're great british assets but like the historian's great british company as was quindell which of course i suspect that anglo-american will deeply regret having done this deal but i mean they're making so much money on platinum that i guess they don't really care but but uh, yeah no i think i think that i i think i i haven't read any bulls sort of crowing about how yippee i've got five and a half p out of uh, Anglo, because the vast majority of them have got, are in at, you know, 30, 40 P and we're with the expectation of it going to, you know, one, two pounds. So, no, I think, uh, I don't think there are many uh, happy people in Yorkshire about about the Anglo-American deal, but who knows? I mean, there might be a few guys who've got in at a penny or however low they went, but but the vast majority... I think there are quite a lot of them are happy that the project is going ahead. They think it'll well, be yeah, a good the guys with, the, the, the guys with um, jobs uh, being employed will be happy. But I'm talking about, you know, that virtually every single person up there seems to be shareholders, you know, because their aunt or uncle or brother or whatever said, you know, this is a good thing. So there's there's still an enormous amount of animosity there, I think. We'll see. Um, now, finally, one thing uh, we should talk about. Uh, yesterday, I climbed up a uh, big hill here in Wales as part of my training for our Road Bloggers for Woodlarks walk on June 13th. Yeah. How much training have you done so far, Lucian? Um, not, a, not a huge amount, but I will have be Have you done any at all? No, well, I've, done, I've played a few games of squash, but that's about it. Been on the odd walk, but no, I haven't. Uh, my programme starts soon on the... Uh, on the on the training, um, we now we now have uh, uh, we have uh, confer- uh, potentially uh, uh, six or seven people on the walk, but uh, certainly yourself, myself, and Dan Levi, the original road bloggers. This will be our third walk, and it's yeah. a mile longer than last time's walk, at thirty-four miles. Yeah. But you tell me the route is a little bit less hilly. I, from memory, there are very few hills because it's mostly following rivers. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very nice, a very nice route, and uh, I'm sure we will get many people to come and do it over and above six. Well, the um, uh, of course, David Lenigas said that uh, the only reason he wasn't giving vast amounts of his money uh, was because we annoyed him by starting the walk at Horse Hill. Since we're starting at Winchester, uh, Big Dave, we expect a check for ten thousand quid for Rogue Bloggers from you. And um, anyone else who wishes to donate, I'll put a link at the end of uh, this podcast. But start your training now, Lucian. Yes, I will do that, Tom. It's better than staring at the market. That's it's better than it's a good another good way of um, you not losing money on going short. So go and do a walk this afternoon. Well, today actually is quite a good day for for uh, making money on shorts. It's my longs that I'm worried about today. But I well, don't lose last, money by going long. Go for I a training think, walk. Just lastly, I would say I think out there there. If, if for the braid, there are some decent bargains to be had on the uh, UK stock market to, to end on a positive note. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks' time when we'll catch up on your training. 
and update uh, everybody as to whether David Lenegast has made his 10,000 quid donation to Rogue Bloggers for Woodlarks. So I'll speak to you in a few weeks' time. Okay. Bye-bye, Tom. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Lucian Myers. I'll have him back on the show in a few weeks' time, uh, just so that he can have a few more thoughts on the rugby and uh, Saracens, and so that I can quiz him on how his training is going for the Woodlark's Rogue Bloggers Walk. Uh, I forgot to say, if you want to join us on that walk on uh, June the 13th, it's 34 miles from Winchester to Woodlark's, We'll be setting off in two groups, an early group at 5.30 if you are perhaps a little bit more uh, uh, elderly uh, uh, or perhaps not such a seasoned walker uh, and a main group at around about quarter to seven. Uh, so we should arrive all together at the Woodlarks campsite. And when you arrive, it's the most amazing thing. Uh, all the campers and the helpers are there and they cheer you over the line and we all have a drink and uh, uh, some food with them. And it is just a fantastic feeling. So if you want to join us on the walk, uh, you'd be more than welcome. Just drop me an email at tom at 49 at gmail.com uh, and I'll give you the details and perhaps some tips on how to train. Uh, and alternatively, if you don't want to join us, how about you sponsor us? There is a link on this podcast. Uh, last year, we raised 55,000. I'm not quite as ambitious this time. I'm hoping for 50,000. Uh, please make your donation uh, 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 and support our walk. Uh, this podcast is, of course, brought to you free. Uh, it's the only thing I do for free on Share Profits. Uh, and it's possible thanks to the sponsorship of Open Orphan PLC, which is listed on AIM. The shares are around 6.5p. Uh, uh, I'm happy to take sponsorship from Open Orphan because it's a company I believe in. Uh, I'm a shareholder, a loyal shareholder. Uh, and it was my tip of the year at 4.9 to buy. Was it 4.6? 4. 4. something to buy. So it's done jolly well. Uh, I still think that the shares will be uh, uh, 10p plus within a couple of months. If you want to find out more about Open Orphan, uh, uh, my tip of the year is up on Share Profits. You can follow the company at Open Orphan. And I hope to have Cathal Friel on the show uh, uh, fairly shortly. Cathal is the boss of the company. Now, what did I disagree with Lucian on? Uh, it was Vasarian. Uh, I think he was far too charitable. Lucian's thesis is that the company simply will not serve up uh, any news of a substantive form. I'm sure it may have spurious announcements about uh, opening a new US hub, which doesn't have any staff or anything like that, or MOUs, which never turn to anything. But it will have no substantive announcements, which can be tied to tangible revenue uh, on the core graphene business. And that as the numbers emerge over the course of the year, people will realize this is a business going nowhere and is grossly overvalued. They will suffer from ennui uh, and uh, boredom, and they will just sell the shares, and the shares will decline slowly. I disagree. I think that the issue for Vasarian is that it's running out of money. I would imagine that the company will be pretty much uh, existing on vapors by uh, the late spring, early mid-year and that it will have to do a placing. Now, in the past, it's been possible to do a placing uh, because you go to bucket shops and low-grade institutions, and you say, would you like stock at a 10% discount? And by the way, we've got some great news coming. And when the shares are going up, when they're in a pretty uh, steep upward curve, people buy into that, they play ball, you get the placing away, you top it up with primary bid, 
and Bob's your uncle. But when your shares are in uh, a, just a, look at the chart, in a pretty steep decline, they were 137 when Ricketts, uh, the boss, sold uh, three or 400,000 grand's worth of shares back in April 2019. Today, they're 75p. That's not a pretty chart. When your shares are in decline, people are less likely to go for the placements, particularly as since that Ricketts share sale, there have been so many exposés on share profits uh, and to a lesser extent elsewhere. Uh, about how the company's RNSs are in many cases simply not true. Uh, and there has been another year of complete lack of progress in terms of graphene sales. Uh, there will be more exposés uh, here on share profits over the coming months, and that's going to make it much harder to get a funding away. And I think it is a funding crisis uh, which will see the shares fall rather sharply. Uh, there is an event for Vasarian. Uh, I'm sure it will be able to raise some money, uh, which will allow it to limp on through into 2021, but not uh, 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 enough money, not the sort of monies it's raised in previous funding rounds, and it will be uh, uh, an unpleasant, uh, uh, deeply discounted exercise. So I think Lucian is being far too kind to Vasarian. Neil, uh, Lucian, it should have been your New Year's resolution. Don't be so nice to Neil Ricketts and Vasarian. Uh, just take the gloves off. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Share Profits Radio. As I say, I hope to have another guest on next week's show uh, and to be back then. Um, and uh, if you uh, are a cheapskate, you will wait seven days for the next podcast and then listen to my dulcet tones and insights from people like Lucien Myers and others on the state of the market. However, it could be that you've enjoyed this show so much that you can't wait, uh, in which case I suggest you sign up to Share Profits where I do a daily bearcast uh, almost every day of the year, some days I do two, uh, and produce a series of articles. Uh, there's uh, some cracking material today on the site on vast resources uh, on a company called Future, which is eminently shortable and should be shorted. Uh, a bit of an expose there, uh, and uh, also some very good stuff on AFC Energy and Amigo. So uh, I hope that those are good articles. There'll be a cracking bear cast, and you get that every single day on Share Profits. It costs us five ninety nine a month to join. So uh, make us happy uh, here in rain-sodden Wales and sign up today. And then I'll be speaking to you tomorrow. Uh, so uh, speak to you tomorrow if you are prepared to invest in uh, high-quality journalism uh, or if you cheapskate, I'll speak to you in a week's time. It's goodbye from me and goodbye from everyone else here in Wales. Bye-bye.